Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, today is a very special day. It marks the completion of the Mount Rushmore of the Tipping Pitches Emergency Podcast episodes. The first one was for Game 5 of the 2017 World Series, which was an unbelievable back-and-forth game back in the days where we still talked about baseball. The second one was for the Major League Baseball Players Association agreeing to end the lockout with Major League Baseball's owners. Just one year ago, just a year and change ago, The third was when we found out the news that minor league baseball players were about to have a union and they were voting on that. And now the fourth, Alex, the fourth emergency tipping pitches episode is because they took the blue check marks away on Twitter and we found out that Taylor (laughs) Swift is still paying for hers. (laughs) Nice. Thursday night, we're gathered here to talk about Taylor Swift. I know everybody everybody loves it when we talk about Taylor. Everyone does. And if we're being quite honest, I'd much prefer that conversation to the one that we're about to have. (laughs) Which conversation is that, Alex? Is this... Let's just, right off the bat, I'm going to ask you a tough question right off the bat. Yeah, you always do. As I I want to do. do. Is this the most you've been going through it online in, like, years? Because you've been good for the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. I would say. You just you haven't really been posting, you haven't been tweeting through yeah. your emotions. But last night I saw that a flicker, a faint flicker of the old Alex from the beginning of our friendship, yeah. where you would just be like reply guying mm-hmm. reporters. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's about where I'm at right now, right? Is like saying thank you for your service to journalists. Um so we should I say perhaps what happened. The reason that we're gathered here tonight. That's right. Is uh days are out. The A's are out. We're gone. The longest running will they won't they <laughs> in the history of the tipping pitches podcast. And maybe in the history of baseball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really I don't know. I wasn't there for the Montreal move to Washington. Yeah. But this feels like it has gone on for an eternity. And it's something that you and I have been talking about literally for years. Like we have gone, we are in a different stage of life than we were the first time we talked about this. We were still in college when we first talked about this on a podcast. And now we are approaching our 30s. (laughs) We're like, we're still far from our 30s, but we're approaching. Right. It's on the horizon. We're we're on the other side. And we are finally getting what I I guess is resolution. I don't know. I'm going to give like the full background for this, um, of course. But it was revealed to us late last night at almost 2 a.m. Eastern time. I guess like around 1, 1 1.30 Eastern time that the Oakland Athletics have entered into a contract to build a stadium in Las Vegas near the strip on land that is currently owned by Red Rock Casino. Red Rock Casino, Las Vegas. That is where the Oakland Athletics are moving to. We're going to get into all of it. I'm going to let you really publicly destroy your friendship with Athletics owner John J. Fisher. But before we do, I am Bobby Wagner. And I'm sad. (laughs) You are listening to Tipping Pitches, where we laugh, because if we don't laugh, we'll cry. Alex Evandrelic in The Athletic. Quote, The Oakland A's and owner John Fisher have taken a major step toward moving the franchise to Las Vegas, agreeing to purchase 49 acres in the city with the hopes of having a new stadium ready to start the 2027 season. If the move pushes forward as expected, the A's will be MLB's first team to fully relocate since the Expos left for Washington, D.C. in 2005. A's president, Dave Cavill, stopped short of calling it a done deal on Thursday morning. However, quote, we're not all the way there in Nevada. Cobble told The Athletic. We are in serious discussions with the elected leaders and public policymakers at the state level and at the county level for an incentive package for a public-private partnership 
incentive package for a public-private partnership. That's what I say before to warm up for every episode of Tipping Pitches. For their contribution. That's basically the way the Allegiant Stadium deal for the Raiders went. And so that part isn't done yet. We're working with them and we're having very good conversations. I got to be honest, right off the top, this feels pretty surreal. Mm -hmm. You know, like we've joked about it so many times and we've talked about it so many times that I kind of just thought it was one of those things that was never going to materialize. And yet here we are doing the, the, the Oakland Athletics are moving to Las Vegas podcast. Yeah, I think that I had really convinced myself that it wasn't going to happen, that they had spent too much time and money and energy into... $100 million, according to everyone that works for the Athletics. Right. That's how much they spent. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just didn't even... Like, I recognized... I think I probably saw it more as, as like, leverage, you know, than, like, an actual kind of possibility. Um, and I am, I am sure that a, a big part of that is me not really wanting to wanting them to move right i don't i will happily deny it until the 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 day they leave but it was really jarring cuz i cuz we had heard no whispers about this kind of in the preceding days for the most part i mean i think that there was maybe some movement here or there but by and large i mean they dropped this on a wednesday night right that the the day before um, like two NBA playoff games the, the day before the A's go on like a two week road trip right after the big market teams in the Mets and the Cubs leave town. <laughs> um, I mean, it was how did that road or how did that homestand go? That was a good one. Uh-huh. <laughs> God, obviously, we're going to talk about like the financial ramifications of this. Obviously, we're going to do the full tipping pitches thing where we talk about how the owners and Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred course don't have the fans in mind literally at all when they make their decisions about how these things happen but before that like i want to do i want to ask alex Baisley, like the childhood fan and i don't mean to like really pry too hard like into your emotions about this because how do you honestly speak like intelligently about what is happening like there's no gray area to this situation at all it is just fully black and white like they're fucking every ace fan and it's ridiculous yeah but when you saw this news, was it like, I'm done with this team? Or is that something that you're still trying to determine for yourself over like the next, I guess, three years? <laughs> three years, before right? They I got go a little to time. Las Vegas. I mean, I, uh, I don't really know. I still have not processed, I think, a lot of the emotions. Last night was, was really rough. Again, like, like you said, it broke super late. I was just doom scrolling for hours. Like, the vibes were down horrendous on ace twitter you know like it was a really really bleak place to be um and 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 weirdly at the same time it was also a sort of testament to the that community that has grown so much um i think it really represented sort of what i'm gonna miss the most about the a's is is the community of people around it right i can can take or leave rooting for a a given team of players and with a given billionaire owner right you've had to learn that skill i have had to learn that skill but but it's the the you know two decades of watching this team and with my friends and making friends over this team and using it as an opportunity to like get closer with people and connect with them right like right off the bat i was like so what's my like what's my Twitter community? You know, like I'm on yeah. A's Twitter and now where to like I mean, I know that like I'm I'm vaguely on Mets Twitter, right? And I follow other other team accounts, but like there isn't one that I've been in like ensconced in, right? Right. Now I'm a free agent. Feels a little good. Does it feel good? I mean it it I guess like I get where you're coming from in the sense that like at least now you've ripped the band-aid off. Where like for the last few years, it was just Every time you talked about the A's, it was like, are they going to stay? Yeah. Are they going to stay? They, they had this like cadence where they would just walk up to the cliff's edge every few months and they would just take their bullhorn out and they'd be like, hey, we're on the cliff's edge. Mm-hmm. What if we jumped? Yep. What if we jumped? Yeah. And then they would get a phone call from the city council who was like, we reviewed your documents and we looked over the plans and we have some questions, but we're still interested in negotiating. And... I guess they just got to the point where like they were no longer interested in keeping up the facade. But I mean, even back to last night, like it was really weird how this news broke. Like the first thing that that came through the timeline, the first thing that you sent me 
was like a story from the Nevada Independent breaking the news of the sale and the agreement with Red Rock Resort. And it was like so, so disorienting, but at the same time, like so consistent with how this whole process has gone, which is like a complete vacuum of leadership, a complete vacuum of relationship with the community and like a downright disgraceful way of handling this entire situation from the A's organization. How you do this, how this breaks, and you don't have a statement to get out ahead of it before it breaks in local newspapers, when you've basically appointed Dave Cavill, the czar of the A's new stadium and relocation, president of the Oakland Athletics, Dave Cavill, who we've talked about ad nauseum in this podcast. Like To me, that is a level of dysfunction and saying the quiet part out loud that at this point in Major League Baseball's history, like they should have sanded these edges down by now. Yeah. I just, I, how, how does this happen? I mean, I think it doesn't matter to them anymore. No. Right? Like, I, I mean, mean, I guess I, not, but like this is such, this is amateur hour. I mean, yeah. I saw something on Twitter that Dave Cavill called Oakland Mayor Sheng Tao um, last night just to like give her a heads up, right? And just be like, hey, this story's coming, right? So clearly there was some semblance of, of, intent there, right? That Dave had an idea of what was coming down the pipeline and and roughly when it was going to break, right? And I yeah. think they just kind of didn't care what sort of bridges they burned in the process. I mean, again, there's a reason that like the Friday news dump exists, right? And it's because it's a great time to bury stuff, right? The A's looked around and said, all eyes are going to be away from the Oakland Coliseum for like two straight weeks. So, I mean, I will say on on the point about, you know, how I'm sort of taking it and reckoning with it, I do think, like, I'm not really going to know for, like, months, right? The A's obviously still play in Oakland. Um, and will for two and more years. for two more years. Three, three more years. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I probably underestimate a little bit the degree to which this is, like, tied up in my identity. <laughs> yeah. You know? No, um, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Like where I'm like, hey, there's like one of three things that I'm known for, right? I really <laughs> like music, got a baseball podcast, and I'm a big old A's fan. <laughs> and those, that's, those three things are intimately intertwined <laughs> that very they frequently. Are right now, know? often. Yeah. Um, Is that your way of saying that you'd rather be talking to me about music right now? <laughs> Should we just stop? Well, Cease the A's chat. Stop the A's chat. We're just going to, we're done with this. <laughs> Can I, I mean, I will say... You know what doesn't let you down? Already recorded music albums. That's so true. You hit play and they play. No, exactly They what's can't coming. let you down. <laughs> I am so relieved to never have to hear the phrase again, special tax district. Or like, again, you mentioned it earlier, public-private partnership. Right? Yeah. All these buzzwords that get thrown around that mean... That the taxpayers are going to give the team money. Um, Toxic waste remediation of Howard Terminal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what are, what are we talking about here? We're playing baseball. Remember? <laughs> now we're just doing like a greatest hits of Dave yep. Cavill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember when he was like, it's going to cost $12 billion and we only have $1 billion of our own dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that sounds like you're not buying that stadium then. <laughs> So there was a, an article in The Athletic, and I, I have the whole thing later about like how the media has responded to this because I honestly find it incredibly weird. Like this is this is the biggest story, maybe in sports right now, like right. at least in baseball by far, like way bigger than whatever is going on with Max Scherzer's ten game suspension, which normally I would have a whole rant keyed up for, but that just feels incredibly tone deaf <laughs> at this moment. But like there was a part in. Um, and I think it was in the athletic like roundup piece about this, or maybe it was in Kerrig's article about it. I, I read all of that stuff like before coming over here, and they were saying how though the A's can like credibly say that they've tried for a long time, and a lot of fans will believe that, including fans who are like weirdly in our Twitter mentions about like my mini thread about how this is what owners want above all else. None of the A's individual efforts on their own ever had like better than a 20% chance of cashing in. So you wouldn't say like a person who is going around making 5% bets, 5% likely to hit bets has a sound financial plan for their future. Like if you 
cashed out your 401k right now and bet it on the basketball game that we're watching right now, two basketball teams that you have not watched this whole year, I feel confident in saying, that wouldn't be a good idea. No one would say you're trying to secure your financial future, but that's what the A's have been doing for the last 20 years. And so the disingenuity of Cavill to say, I know this is a tough day for Oakland, and I know this is a tough day for A's fans to hear this, but we're just at our wits end here. And then knowing that he's just going to get smashed by the mayor and by the city council and by basically anyone with half a brain and that that just doesn't matter. Like to me, it's just we've reached the crescendo. We've reached the absolute culmination point of not just Rob Manfred's Major League Baseball, but Bud Selig's Major League Baseball and Rob taking the blueprint that Selig was was more than happy to allow several owners to enact whether that was actually in the case of stealing the Expos or whether it's just dangling this vague threat out there to pressure local governments into giving more public funds to build stadiums or you'll contract the team or the team will leave for Las Vegas or the team will leave for Portland or the team will leave for Nashville or whatever it actually is. We couldn't have had any of that without every successive step along the way and without the intentionality of the commissioners of baseball for the last three decades in creating both a a political and financial landscape for an owner to actually pull this off and do what they've done. Other owners in other sports have done this too. Like this has happened in the NBA. They, They took the Sonics away from Seattle. This happened most recently in football where they took the Raiders away from the Bay area and moved them to Las Vegas, just like they're doing with the A's. It doesn't, take the blame at all away from Rob or from Bud Selig or from the rest of the group of owners who at multiple points had to throw their political weight and capital behind this exact move for it to actually be possible. And they did that at every opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's just rewarding all the wrong behavior, right? All the bad faith, all the bad faith conversations the A's have had with the community. Um, Everything that Dave Cavill has gone out and said, the the lack of interest in financially committing to like a viable product on the field, like all of this. I mean, it it makes me think. Today we're recording this on on Thursday, April twentieth. Um, there was also news bro- that broke today um, about BuzzFeed News, the organization, right? And Jonah Peretti right. went and told his companies and his employees and said, you know, I I really fucked up. Um, you know, I've really failed you guys. And, uh, but unfortunately, you know, BuzzFeed News is going to shut down. Right. And so I think it's fascinating that, uh, all the lovely people who made up that community, all the lovely journalists, um, and editors and, and photographers and everyone lose their jobs. And Jonah Peretti, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's, still in charge of things over there. I think he still gets millions of dollars. I think he still gets millions of dollars, right? And so it's just like, it feels right in that same vein of like, if you can torpedo your company just enough to make it worth it for the shareholders, you're golden. But that just, especially at a time where baseball is doing all of this kind of moral hand-wringing about the future of its sport and accessibility to fans, um, breaking into like, young, diverse markets, this all just flies in the face of that. This is just a big middle finger. Hey, we're going to go to Las Vegas, the home of gambling and retirees. It's like, well, here we're here to distract you with all this other stuff that we're doing. Okay, we're going to change all these rules. We're going to create all these campaigns about how the players are more young and more fun than ever. And we want to put their athleticism out there. And we're waking Theo Epstein up in the middle of the night by pouring ice water on his face and making him go on every radio show in the country so that he can talk about how they've put in the work to improve the game and they want to highlight all of the beautiful things about baseball. And then at the same time, what are we actually doing in the dark smoke-filled rooms? Who are we actually, whose hands are we actually greasing? Who, who is actually financially reaping the rewards of this game? Are games getting cheaper and more accessible and fair to fans because of these rule changes or is the sport actually headed in a direction where more people can watch it and more people can feel good about watching it and want to develop the type of lifelong relationship to the game that you will pass down 
through generations the way that you were past the A's? Because the answer is no. Like, no matter how much you want to say about, okay, the league is in an okay place financially. Uh, okay, the league is in, a, is in a decent place in terms of its most up-and-coming demographics being younger, being less male-dominated, being less white, even though there's still a lot of improvement to be made on those fronts. But still, the most consequential decisions that are being made in the sport are to benefit casino owners and the actual singular billionaire who owns the team in John Fisher. Yeah, I mean, it is crazy that they are abandoning a place like Oakland, which is a huge market with, frankly, a lot of money, if that's what you're fucking looking for, right? But like, also with a really incredible cultural scene um, and a really rich sports history. And I mean, I'll note that the A's at this point right now and for years really have been the most affordable, like major professional sports option in the Bay Area, right? You're certainly not getting that with the Warriors or the Giants anymore, right? Like, no. Yeah. Um, and now there's nothing, right? I mean, now now the people of of the East Bay have... I actually think that's an important distinction to draw and I'd, I'd love for you to expand upon that because I think when people think about the Bay Area, they just think it's like one city, you know, and they think that it is like, well, they still have the Giants and why did the A's ever come there when the Giants were already there? Like, that's a thing that I've been seeing get tossed around in that maybe the Bay Area wasn't big enough to support two baseball teams and a basketball team and Famously, a football no team. no other market has been able to And that. a hockey team, you know, like may- maybe that's just not the sports market that this place is. But like, like that, that is not the same market, really. That is like, right. in terms of the practicality of being able to go and support a team, going to an A's game is not the same as going into San Francisco, which has honestly priced out like 95% of people who live in what you can call the Bay Area. The A's fans aren't just going to Giants games instead now. That's not how the Bay Area works. And, right. I mean, you know that better than I do. I mean, if the Mets dipped, would you be like, all right, Yankees, I'm in. Here we go. But e- even if I wasn't a Mets fan, I would still be able to go to Yankee Stadium. Right. Not that That's not what it's like in San Francisco and Oakland. Like, right. people who live where you live growing up do not just routinely go to Giants games all of the time. Yeah, well, my uh, my buddy Austin might uh, beg to differ with that one. <laughs> well, <laughs> how many times did he get stuck in traffic and <laughs> miss the first three innings of an important game, you know? But it is like, it is a, a I mean, a different city. It's, it's, a, like it's a literally on, on, a on, on the other side of the water <laughs> <laughs> um, with a, its whole own kind of host of what would be considered like suburbs, right? Like, and, you know, hi- historically, predominantly working class people who working class or middle class people who for whom the A's were kind of that counterweight right to uh, the giants across the bay. I think that the broader narrative around this has gotten really muddied um, because people just kind of repeat the things that they sort of hear, right? It's like, Oh, there was like sewage at the Coliseum, right? Or like there's a possum at the Coliseum, right? Or like, Oh, attendance is super low. Right. And so people are like, Oh, well, like, there must be some real issues there, some real issues that have to be sorted out. Clearly, that's not a viable stadium. That's not a viable market if this is everything that's happening. It's like, all right, but go to an A's game and tell me you don't have a fucking blast and tell me it's not one of the best experiences of your life. Like, Also, everything that you just said, it would still be cheaper to fix that site <laughs> than anything that they're doing <laughs> in terms of like raw dollars. Maybe not dollars that have to come out of John J. Fisher's pocket, which is why we are in the situation recording this podcast that we're in right now. But like the most economical and sustainable option would have been rebuild on the Coliseum site. There's already public transit there. It's right next to a highway. It's what the previous owner wanted to do, but he was stonewalled at every opportunity. You know, say what you want about Lou Wolf. I know that you have your, a lot of issues with Lou Wolf and you accosted his grandson on the streets of <laughs> New York City outside of a freshman dorm at NYU. <laughs> That's that is true. Yes, but he was the one that was pushing to rebuild at the Coliseum site, which would have nipped this whole situation in the bud ten years ago, and that's supposedly, reportedly, that was the disagreement between Wolf and John Fisher that led to Wolf saying, "I don't see this 
situation being resolved. I'm just going to sell my share of the team. And now John Fisher is completely calling the shots. And very clearly, though John Fisher is a very private person and doesn't has not had a lot to say on the record about this situation, it's now more clear than ever that he never had any interest in staying in Oakland. And whether that's because I don't even like I don't even want to speculate as to why. Like because there can be a million reasons. All of them are probably like unbelievably nefarious and heinous. Yeah. But like anything that the A's have done for the last like six years just looks like downright lies now. Yeah. And like, you know, we all kind of knew it at the time, right? It was like all a little bit of an okay, Dave. Oh, whatever you say, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I suppose I appreciate that it's now out in the open, at least. Again, like I my therapist wasn't very much help today with all this, by the way. I just which is why I'm kind of working through some of this stuff. <laughs> um which is why I think it wait, wait, ta- wait, can I be your therapist for a sec right now? Yeah. What do you are your feel rates, like, actually? Do you f- <laughs> free. <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> do you feel like this finally closes the book on your childhood? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> you don't live in Oakland anymore. The A's are no longer in Oakland anymore. Are you firmly into adulthood? <laughs> you said that as a joke. But <laughs> yeah. Mm. Should we talk about John Fisher? Why not? I don't understand this. I will never understand this. <laughs> like I there's nothing that no amount of like spreadsheeting, financial reporting, money from casinos that can make this make sense to me personally why you would take a franchise that has like 50 years of more than that, like 55 years of baseball history, like built up in a city, you've already done all the hardest parts, you know, like you've already, you already have a fan base. You alienated them from coming to your baseball games intentionally so that you could do this. It just goes back to my whole thing about like major league baseball is clearly not interested in sustainability. They're interested in like immediate cash flow in the present. And this move is just like another shining example in that where like, John Fisher does not want to do the work to rebuild the physical infrastructure of the, of the Oakland Athletics, the community infrastructure of the Oakland Athletics. He'd much rather just take like the first $500 million that he could find from any casino and or city council and take the easy way out. And I just, I don't understand how like these guys burnish these reputations where like these, they're, they're more hardworking than anyone and that's how they became billionaires. Like John Fisher inherited money from his parents because they founded the gap (laughs) and then he refused to actually do the work of running the a's that he decided to buy with that money from the gap and this is who we allow to own baseball teams this is who we allow to like make the decisions that affect millions of people far and wide much further than just the bay area clearly as we sit in your brooklyn apartment recording this podcast i just like this is a crisis to me and I feel like nobody is like sounding the alarms about this. People are just like, well, this is finally resolved. We kind of saw this one coming. Like, this is fucking gigantic story. This is like a gigantic story to me. And I like I don't understand how it's not maybe I'm naive because of like corporate media and and MLB rights partners and whatnot. But like I don't understand how this isn't leading Sports Center. I don't understand how Jeff Passan has not said anything about this. Yeah. I don't understand that Ken Rosenthal has written and updated a column about Max Scherzer today. But all he has done on the front of the literal Oakland Athletics leaving the city of Oakland is retweet Evan Drellick's article and retweet Mark Kerrig's article. Am I losing my mind here? Like, is this not the biggest story in baseball, like, by a landslide? That's so much so that, like, no other story is even worth talking about right now? Yo, no, you're very, okay. you're very right. correct Thank about that. Thank you. <laughs> like, you're not losing your mind. Okay, good. <laughs> no, I do think you're right about that. Uh like Jeff Passan did a hit on first take today about how Otani could get traded this year. Right. If the Angels are under 500. Yeah. <laughs> That's four months away. <laughs> this happened last night. And I think it probably has something to do with the fact that, like, you know, as everyone is saying, nothing is set in stone yet. Right. Okay. You know, the ink hasn't dried or whatever. Um, things could still come fall apart at the 11th hour right what if joe lacob swoops in and says here's 50 billion dollars for the a's right like yeah. what um if? what if elon musk swoops in and says yeah here's here's 69 million billion dollars did you see, did you see jane tweeted you about that today no really shit <laughs> jane jane tweeted you and said shared like a screenshot of someone suggesting that someone 
like a Bay Area billionaire could swoop in and buy the team and choose to save them. And it was a picture of Elon Musk wearing an A's jersey. And Jane was like, is that a bet that you make? <laughs> you could get your blue check back. Blue checks for all A's fans. <laughs> you, say, you say back like I ever had one, bro. Oh, that's nah, true. Nah, couldn't Yeah, be you were never a member of the blue check brigade. Nope. What does it feel like, plebe? <laughs> I'm coping. I know you Cope. are. I know. But like it, that also didn't stop them from reporting every other step of the way. I know. Right? Like when nothing else was set in stone, when it was like they've entered into a non-binding agreement to do a meeting regarding the environmental impact report three years from now. And they'd be like, breaking news. <laughs> Oakland City Council. Yeah. I don't get it. I, I mean, I really, I like, I don't have a good answer for you. I mean, I, I, that kind of tracks, like the fact that it's technically not official yet. Like the team has not said, we're definitely moving. The team has just said, we're right. no longer looking to build a new stadium in Oakland and we're only looking to build a new stadium in Las Vegas. And I suppose that that doesn't, preclude someone from buying the team and keeping it there or something extenuating circumstances to happening where like another bid gets accepted for a Las Vegas baseball team between yeah. now and then or whatever but like so so that speculation would force the Jeff Passons of the world to actually have to share an opinion on the situation which would mean that they would actually have to call out ownership which is anathema to them except for when it's going to give them clout during the lockout yeah <laughs> We're all where all of my <laughs> we're all of my pro fan pro player reporters now. Honestly, though, right? Like we're putting up the bat signal. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and th- this is another thing that I think has really kind of just made me a little sad over the over the last day or so. Right? Is sort of seeing the the like sort of news communities you know that pop up around sort of teams. And create a following where people, you know, um, start projects where they want to do a podcast about all the teams or maybe just one specific team. And uh, I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter whose work I'm going to really miss um, because there are a lot of really talented and wonderful people in that sort of media scene uh, around the Oakland days. And and ones who I think oftentimes gave a much more sort of nuanced, down-to-earth perspective when it came to something like the A's pretending to rebuild or the A's going for a new stadium or something like that. It always felt much more level-headed, right? Even, and you can even see the difference between like the East Bay publications and like, say, the San Francisco Chronicle or something like that, which has drawn the ire of many an A's fan. Um, it's just, it's... A shame, man. It's yeah. like there are a lot of really wonderful people um, around the team, the stadium workers, right? The the grounds crew, um, all of whom are potentially out of the job in a few years. Unless they want to move to Las Vegas. Right, exactly. I Where, just, which is not going to be uh, habitable in like 20 years. So. Exactly. <laughs> um, if only a certain podcast had a climate change miniseries about that fact. That'd be wild. <laughs> I'm so loud. I would listen. Um, yeah, because those people had to bear the brunt of the lack of investment, emotional and financial, in this team from management for the last five years, and they had to brunt. They had to bear the extra added work that a normal grounds crew, crew doesn't have to go through because John Fisher won't kick in the extra five million dollars a year to make the repairs that the Coliseum needs. John Fisher won't hire animal control to come and take the possum out of possum yeah yeah mm. possum out of the visiting radio booth yeah. like this is a grounds crew team that had to fucking turn it into a football field and back into a baseball field every weekend yeah. for years and instead of actually now that the football team is gone and there's more clarity about who actually is the tenant in the stadium instead of actually making the investments to turn this into a world-class baseball stadium that can continue to attract fans and continue to be like a safe and normal working environment for the people who work there, John Fisher just runs away from the problem and gets support from Rob Manfred immediately and the league for doing so. I know it's like, okay, we can all check off our leftist bingo cards now if I say this, but like it truly is like systematic the way that this whole thing played out the levers of power that needed to be pulled by the exact people to enact something like this. It's not just one person making this choice. 
it is a collection of people who are putting their financial interests above what makes logical sense and what makes community and baseball sustainability sense for the future near and long term. And it's just a shame. Like, and I, I want to, to close this conversation out, you know, your point about how these small little industries, media industries, fan community industries build up around these teams and those things just get completely severed without so much as like a dignified goodbye when decisions like this get made. I wanted to point out, you know, Mark Craig wrote a column in The Athletic, which I'm sure you read, which the thesis of the column was about how ownership tried to make it seem like it was not viable to have a fan, to have a fan base in Oakland because of the attendance over the last few years. And they intentionally tanked the team and at the same time, in some cases, doubled ticket prices so that it would be more expensive than ever to see a team that was intentionally worse than ever. And this year's team is even worse than last year's team, which Mark was using as the example in his column because that was that coincided with when they raised the ticket prices when the team lost 102 games last year. And they're going to lose like 120 this year. And I thought that he made a lot of really good points about how like we need to remain clear-eyed about what really happened here, which was that fans revolted because they were being disrespected and not because they didn't want to see baseball, but because that they weren't being given the same level of investment that they felt like they had showed for so long, especially because the A's have had such periods of high highs and some of the most impactful and culturally significant baseball stars that the league has ever seen. Um, he, he, the one thing that I wanted to quibble with, though, is that in his column, he was sort of resigned to the fact that this is inevitable because of the drastic improvements that would have needed to be made to the Coliseum because it seemed like this is what ownership wanted the whole time because this is understandable from a business perspective. Like if you have a new mark that is so desperate to attract sports teams because, you know, legalized sports betting is taking off like no market in this country ever has since crude oil, like, and Las Vegas is going to throw $500 million at you or whatever. And Oakland is never going to do that because it's a much more progressive city council that has been waging these battles for a lot longer. And it's proven that they're not interested in doing that. I just like, I don't really care if people think it's understandable from a business perspective. I don't care if people think that it was inevitable. And I'm not like really willing to concede those points because if the league had said, no, you actually have to stop bullshitting. No, you actually have to try to stay in Oakland. This would have been wrapped up like five years ago. They would have rebuilt on the Coliseum site. They would have made the necessary improvements to build on Howard Terminal, even though that's like not probably like not the right choice for the community of Oakland. It would have gotten figured out if the league was actively invested in keeping them there. And the fact that it wasn't just goes to show that, like, like I don't know how you look at this and think anything other than Rob Manfred would stab any fan base in the back if it meant that it was better for the league financially in the short term. <laughs> like, not even in the long term. Right. Like, I don't, I don't even know if this is better for them in the long term. Like, I don't know who's going to go watch that team in Las Vegas. I genuinely don't. I, not now, not 20 years from now. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And so... Why I think that Mark's column was good, and I think that a lot of the things that he was saying sort of are harmonious with your points about the fan communities and everything that has been built up in, in Oakland and with that fan base and the like legions and legions of loyal fans who have really stuck it out over honestly the last like 25 years of them jerking fans around, even through Moneyball, even when that was like the invoke thing to do. I just, it, it really bums me out that we like are in a world where like, quote unquote understandable from a business perspective is the default. Yeah, I uh don't care about your business. Me either. <laughs> I really don't. Especially if you're worth more than a billion dollars. I really especially don't care about your business. Um I I also just don't understand why we've sort of conditioned ourselves to to think this way. I mean I I, I do. We've talked ad nauseum about how sort of ownership talking points have merged with like fan perspectives but like i'd i'd love to explain like the rules of baseball to like a six-year-old you know and get them really excited about the a's and then tell them that they're leaving and watch them like you know start to cry and then be like no no no, don't worry it was a business decision so like you don't really have to like worry about it there was rationale they thought it through it's like that means nothing to the millions of fans you're abandoning like it really it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it's it's it goes hand in hand with like how we treat everything in this country like a business, and like everything in our lives, like it's a business. The sport of baseball isn't a business; it's a sport, and like we've only allowed the business entity entity that is Major League Baseball, we being in the United States, we being like the larger society, have only allowed the business entity that is Major League Baseball to completely unilaterally own that sport over the last 100 years. Like the founders of baseball, if you put John Fisher in front of them and you put childhood fan that you just named who wants the A's to stay in Oakland in front of them and you ask them, who is baseball actually for? They're not choosing John Fisher. Yet John Fisher is the only person, John Fisher and his legion of owners are the only people who actually have the power to change the direction of the game. And they're changing it for the wrong reasons in the wrong direction. And I just, it's more acute than ever that our passions, our entertainment, the ways that we distract ourselves from like the crippling realities of existence are no longer out of bounds, like for billionaires to crush for profit. And obviously we know that, like obviously we've been doing this podcast that way for the last five years, but I don't think that we have gotten a more stark example, and I can't think of a more stark example that we could get than just the entire way that this situation has unfolded. It's completely illogical. It doesn't serve anybody except people who, who stand to profit financially from it. And I think that Rob Manfred, I think that Dave Cavill, I think that John Fisher like should not ever be allowed to show their faces in Oakland. What little power we have left... It, exists in like public shaming and in alienating these behaviors. And I like, honestly, beyond that, I don't really know what else to do or say. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I think that the A's are about to find out what it means to not have people attend your games, you know? Yeah. They thought they knew. Dave, (laughs) you thought you knew, but you fucked around and you're about to find out. Um, Do you want to give me like your, your, uh, mini instructions for fans to like take actions of praxis in the Coliseum this year. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I'll be attending five, with a screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> top five things that you can do to get your money back from John Fisher this year. Yeah. I'm taking a, uh, a seat. Yeah. I'm going to take a plastic seat. Okay, great. <laughs> um, Sneaking into the game. <laughs> yeah, honestly yeah just like cutting a ch- hole in one of the chain link fences in the outfield <laughs> just like letting all your friends in <laughs> i mean how to blow up an mlb franchise <laughs> with alex and bobby a's twitter is in like a really weird space right now because just a couple weeks ago there was a whole movement that was getting started of like this sort of reverse boycott where they were like we're gonna fill the stadium yeah. on june whatever um and it was going to be this whole thing, you know, like, let's show ownership that we really, that, like, the fans are here, right? You're not reaching out to us, but we are here and we can come. Um, and, like, last night, there were also people on my timeline who were like, we should go to the stadium on that day and bar fans from entering. You know, <laughs> like, it's both ends of the spectrum right now. So, you know what? Whatever brings you peace, I think. Um, it's like the community defenders who, like, go and prevent an eviction right. <laughs> but for A's fandom right I'm I'm chaining myself to the <laughs> to the like gates of the Coliseum I thought you were gonna say like people still were going in and they were just planning on like setting the place on fire <laughs> like maybe we should save that for off pot I guess yeah right um, if you have any thoughts on us on that you can DM us though yeah um, anything else to add do you feel better worse <laughs> about the same I just feel tired, man. I realized this afternoon, I was like, oh, I'm never going to see the a- the Oakland A's win a World Series. I just, in my lifetime, I personally am never going to witness the Oakland A's win a World Series. Yeah. I just like had that realization. And- really sped up that anxiety uh-huh. that I have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that she'll die. That I'll die before the Mets win a World Series. You were like, well, I've seen it in the future. I was like, all right, well, <laughs> at least I know. You know, there's no uncertainty That's true. anymore. That's true. Is that the more enlightened existence? <laughs> right. I guess we have years for you to figure that out. Yeah, check back with me in 2027. So you're a free agent now. Are you like a free agent or are you a Mets fan now? Because <laughs> you just like don't have the Mets fan disposition. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, you don't. 
like we're kindred spirits in a lot of ways when it comes to our fandoms in terms of expecting everything to go wrong and like understanding that we're never going to have the most functional franchises no matter how hard we try or like no matter how much of the like media darling spotlight we have on our franchise like whether that's you with Billy Bean or like me with Steve Cohen like something is always going to go wrong like that's always been a touchstone for the two of us but like the fervor in your chest like the anger that I experience when I watch things go wrong for the Mets like I've just never seen you have that and so I don't is that in there can you really can you tap into that and become near and dear to to the New York Mets I mean but this is the thing that like I don't know about right is like how do I just become a fan of another team like I can't like I you know how do you how do you just train yourself to do that I learned how to do this over 26 years Mm -hmm. and now I just have to pick another you're like you're like um someone who grew up in like a really religious community and got married in, at 18 and now you're divorced and now you're like on the town in the dating scene on the apps that's you know exactly no that's exactly what I'm checking like. it out uh-huh. you're just like I could fuck it I'm a Twins fan now right I mean hey let me check out Royals fandom for a little bit you know what, I've what always loved quirks? the Mariners like <laughs> I'm gonna you know I'll do a little poo poo platter a little tasting of each. Of each team. You know, you came over. I was watching Pirates Reds. Yeah, you were. You, uh, was, you said to me, I'm working my way up. Two new candidates for Alex's <laughs> fandom. And I was like, yeah, Pirates Reds? Yep. I'm not sure which one is the worst bet. <laughs> my honest advice to you, and you don't need my advice. You know these things. But my honest advice to you would be just become a Yankees fan. Well, we're already a Yankees fan. We could podcast. make the, it would be official. I can, the subway energy oh, to the God, podcast would just be so be, awful. I can feel the, us bleeding subscribers right now mm-hmm. as people picture this. Right. No, my honest advice to you would be just pick a team where the stakes are just not as high in either direction, good or bad. Intentionally signing up for Yankees fandom sounds terrible, <laughs> to be honest. You have to pretend like you're not satisfied that the team has made the playoffs every year for the last 30 years. What the? F- that's weird. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> that's That's not normal. Like, just pick a team where it's like, we made the playoffs. That was fun. Hey, we we came pretty close. We'll get them next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, of course, like, different fans and different fan bases, like, your mileage may vary on that sort of attitude towards towards the team. But, like, I have a friend who's a Marlins fan, and the Marlins suck. They are ass. Mm-hmm. They're, like, actually 500 this year or whatever, and they have, like, some promising players and obviously can develop pitchers weirdly like better than most franchises <laughs> right, yeah. in baseball. We're just talking about the Marlins now. But like they won two World Series and he is just unbelievably zen about that. Yep. He just gives me shit all the time. <laughs> He's like, come talk to me when you hang a banner in your lifetime. <laughs> He's like, we got two. I'm like, you haven't had a winning season other than the pandemic season in like 25 <laughs> years. But I guess more like 15 years. But like, He's right. Yeah, yeah, he's right. <laughs> Stakes are so low. There's a lot of stuff to do in Miami. Yep. You don't have to you don't have to stake your whole existence on the Marlins. <laughs> so my advice to you would be like try to get something like that. Mhm. Cuz you'll enjoy it if the Mets win either way because of course, I'll have enough love to go around. <laughs> <laughs> the only the only thing I think about is like I feel like it's hard to really engage like full time with a team that's not like somewhat close to you, you yeah. know? I feel like it'd be weird to be like Hey, I'm a Royals fan now. I've also never been to a Royals game and don't know anyone on the team. Well, not knowing anyone on the team, you could turn that around pretty That's quickly. True. That's true. And we could go to Kansas City. Kansas City's a cool spot. I mean, I'm down. I would I've love, been meaning I would to go to Kansas City to again anyway to see the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. What if you just became a fan of like a team that doesn't exist anymore? Right. Like Cleveland Spiders. Yeah, fan. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was going to lose. They've already lost all of the games that they're going to lose. Well, that's why I was almost thinking, like, what if I became a fan of like a minor league team? Ooh. You know, yeah. Stakes are even lower. I know that the players are going to disappear. Or I can or count on them not if sticking the players around. go on to succeed, whether they go on to succeed for that franchise or they get traded, yeah, you could just root for them wherever they go. Exactly. That's There's pretty- still a success for the minor league team. That's promising. Too bad they just moved the minor league team, one of the minor league teams out of the city. I can be a Cyclones fan. Yeah, but then you're just a Mets fan. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. We'll workshop it. We're really hoping Alex Ramirez can get bat to ball a little more this year. It's like, you don't want that life. Trust me. Me at at 2.15 in the morning reading Alex Ramirez whiff rates on fan graphs. You don't want to be that. No. You don't want to be that if you don't have to. Well, if if anyone listening to this has any enticing offers, I mean, like the most obvious team would be the Padres, right? Because they're set for like the next ten years in terms of like 
intentional competition level. Yeah. But they play on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. It's like you're really going to stay up until 1.30 a.m. every night? I mean, you kind of do that every night right, already. Right, but like, yeah. are you going to commit to watching them often enough that it feels like they're giving you something back? Right. That might be tough. Bob Melvin? Bob Melvin. Tatis coming back today? Mm-hmm. Which we, I don't think we can talk about. I think that's banned technically. Well, actually, no. It's it's Tati's discourse. We can talk right, about right. We're not allowed to talk about why he was gone. Right. <laughs> it's just turning into a normal pod episode. Yep. See, look, we talked through it long enough. Now we're cracking, what, are, what are we at right now? We're cracking jokes again. We're at 68 minutes. TBD on how much I cut out of this. <laughs> TBD. <laughs> Including this part right here. <laughs> um, yes, please. Alex is a free agent. He just came out of college with a 4.0 GPA. He's a great fan. He has the resume, the fan resume that can only be built up through having to put up with Billy Bean's bullshit <laughs> for decades. Yeah. You want him, you want him in that fan base. You need him in that fan base. Come make your pitches. Yeah. Make your pitches. I will say, I, you know, having just got out of a really long relationship, I am right. just a little emotionally fragile. Right now, if he um, seems unavailable right. to root for, <laughs> to root as hard for Bobby Witt Jr. as you might want to, <laughs> just know that he'll get there. I will get there. I'm doing my best. I promise. <laughs> okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this emergency episode, episode of Tipping Pitches. Thank you, Alex, for just mining trauma, as always. That's <laughs> what we do, baby. <laughs> uh, to make your pitches to Alex for why he should root for the team that you root for. It's tippingpitchespod at gmail.com, tipping underscore pitches on Twitter, 785-422-5881 if you would like to make the pitch in your own voice. We have some exciting pods coming up for the next couple weeks. Some cool guests. I'm stoked. I'm just going to leave that teaser out there. I'm not going to tell people who. Because the one that we already did is the one that I want to tease. And the one that we haven't done yet could always get rescheduled. So that's how these things work. But you and I will be here as we are every Monday in your feeds. Every Monday. Um, Thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back in just a couple days. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!